What do the proposed employment equity amendments mean for organizations? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. It's Yasser Yaslak at Ismail, audio producer and host, as I've mentioned in our previous show. Unfortunately, Mr. Barry Gordon-Davis is not in studio with us. He is off on an island having the time of his life, and I'm super jealous. But with us in studio, we have LabourNet Skills and Equity Product Manager, Linda Madida, and she's going to be talking to us about the employment equity amendments, or rather proposed employment equity amendments. Uh, we've actually recently had a very interesting LabourNet Live session or a webinar, as others would know it, on the exact topic. And I figured, hey, we definitely have to get Linda in studio to tell us more about it. So, Linda, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Yasser. Uh, very excited to be part of the show. Very excited to inform our audience of the proposed amendments, as you had mentioned. We are expecting a lot of changes with the Employment Equity Act, and I think it's so important that we inform the listeners of how this is going to affect them and what it is that they need to do to prepare for these amendments. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Linda. So, Linda, can you tell us why exactly did the Department of Labor decide to amend the Employment Equity Act? So there are three points that I'm going to go through high level. Firstly, there's a document called the Employment Equity Commission, which is sent out on a quarterly basis informing the stakeholders of different aspects that affect the Employment Equity Act. And what they've identified is that a lot of small companies are struggling to achieve their goals and targets. So the first point is to reduce the burden of employment equity on small business owners. Secondly, the Department of Labor has noticed that a lot of sectors struggle to achieve the economic acts of population targets. So with that being said, the minister has put in place what is called the sector-specific employment equity numerical targets. No longer the employment equity, the economic acts of population targets. It's now going to be the numerical targets in line with the sectors. And the third point is we've had a section of the Employment Equity Act that has not been promulgated. It's been in the Act since 2014, but has not been promulgated. And that's Section 53, which talks about issuing companies the Employment Equity Compliance Certificate. So if you're found to be compliant with the Employment Equity Act and you need to do business with the state, you would then receive an Employment Equity Compliance Certificate. So those are the three points why the Employment Equity Amendments will come into effect um, as soon as the President has signed off the uh, sectoral targets. All right. So you mentioned, obviously, it still needs to be signed off. And that's obviously why we're calling the proposed Employment Equity Amendments. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. And Linda, what are the key changes that will impact businesses when it comes to the proposed employment equity amendments? So there are quite a few, and I'm not going to go through everything in a lot of detail. I'll just high level go through the different topics that will be, or the different sections of the Employment Equity Act that will be amended. Firstly, the definition for a designated employer. So this basically means a company with less than 50 employees will no longer be required to comply. As per my opening uh, statement where I mentioned the three points why the Employment Equity Act is being amended. Firstly, companies less than 50 employees no longer need to comply with the Act. We are looking at different definitions that will be added to the Employment Equity Amendment Act. 
which is sector. There's going to be a definition for sector, serve and submit, how we serve and submit information to the Department of Labor. The people with disabilities, that is also going to be amended where we're going to include intellectual disability and sensory disabilities. Then uh, psychometric testing, that's not going to be registered with the Health Professional Council of South Africa anymore. And the main reason is that the Health Professional Council of South Africa does not have the capacity to oversee psychometric testing. Affirmative action measures talked about economic active population. Now it will be referring to sectoral targets. Uh, consulting with employees, this is a big one. So any company that has a trade union, Company with a trade union will only consult with the trade union representative if you have a majority trade union. So you will only consult with the trade union, no longer with your employees. This is a big one. A lot of companies are actually against this one, but it's part of the amendment bill. Obviously, Section 20, which talks about the Employment Equity Plan, that will be amended to speak to sectoral targets. The Employment Equity Report, the reporting period, as we know, is from the 1st of October every single year till the 15th of January. This period is going to change. Unfortunately, at this point, we don't know what the new period is going to be. This will be prescribed by the minister once the amendment bill is gazetted. Then income differentials. The income differentials, if you do identify that you have disparities with your salaries, this will be no longer assigned to the, the Employment Equity Commission. However, it will be assigned to the National Minimum Wage Commission, where guidance will be given as to what it is that you need to do to ensure that you close those gaps. Undertaking to comply. So basically, undertaking to comply is there's going to be a lot more inspectors inspecting companies to ensure that there's compliance. Then we're also going to look at assessment of compliance, which is going to be aligned to the sectoral target and not the economic active population. That That is basically overall a high level. That's what we're going to look at. And any company that used to comply with the Employment Equity Act voluntarily will no longer be required to comply because of the compliance certificates that you can now apply for if you need to comply with the state or do business with the state. Those, those are the key changes, high level. Linda, in your experience, obviously being in the employment equity field, um, have you ever seen such big changes uh, being made to the Employment Equity Act or is this the first time you experienced things such? So this is the first time that we've experienced such big changes um, since the inception of the Employment Equity Act. Uh, there was a slight amendment to, to the Employment Equity Act in 2014. However, this is the biggest change that we've identified. And the main reason people living with disabilities and females are not being recognized and this Employment Equity Amendment Act is going to also facilitate that a lot more people living with disabilities can be moved up in certain organizations. That being said, obviously, you know, we've organizations have never experienced such a big change in the Employment Equity Act. So it's going to be a huge challenge for them to now adapt, um, which obviously is a nice segue to my next question. How will this shape the future of employment equity implementation within organizations in South Africa? It's great that you asked that. It's really awesome because personally, I think it's going to bring about a lot of changes, positive changes. 
something that I read up on, I think it was two years ago, where the there was a study done on companies in South Africa, and 60% of companies in South Africa are owned by white male. That's majority of companies are owned by white male that are a small percentage of our economic active population. So the drive for the change in employment equity is to have a lot more designated people. And what are designated people? These are African colored and Indian um, and white females and people living with disabilities so that they can get a lot more opportunities in open businesses. But how we're going to implement the Employment Equity Act is, firstly, in order for you to be able to get state contracts, in the past, you had to just submit an employment equity report. Now, you need to comply with the Minimum Wage Commission. You need to not have a case with the CCMA or the Labor Court that is an unfair discrimination case. And you need to comply with the sectoral targets. So complying with the sectoral targets is any company that has more than 50 employees. You need to have complied with the sectoral target. That means you need to achieve your targets. Second point is the Employment Equity Act wants us to implement the, the sectoral targets on a five-year plan. The act, current act says a plan between one to five years. The amendment act is going to state that we need to put a plan in place that's for five years. From the first, we're anticipating this is going to be from the 1st of September 2023. And then the last point is inspectors and legal requirements. So what this is, is that the Department of Labor is going to outsource their inspections. So anybody that has the qualifications or has the knowledge of how to inspect will be given the opportunity. So they're going to really give out uh, tenders, I think, um, to people that would like to inspect um, and you'll you'll have a lot more inspectors going out inspecting companies to ensure that they're compliant. This is also another thing that's currently happening is companies that are being inspected every uh, 12 months after the inspection, the Department of Labor sends out the inspector again to see that you are indeed implementing as per your employment equity plan. And if you're found to not be implementing your goals and targets, then you will be referred to the labor court. So it's going to be a lot more strict. That's one thing I can tell you. And the drive is to ensure that we have a lot more designated people in higher positions. Linda, one point that I'd like clarity on is you mentioned that uh, an organization can't have a unfair discrimination case open at the CCMA. So would that mean that that organization shouldn't have had any unfair discrimination cases in the past? or they can't have a pending case. So, sorry, I, I should have just uh, clarified that. So it must not be any unfair discrimination case pending in the last 12 months. All right, okay, so okay. there is a time frame. There pending. is a time okay. frame to it. So it must be something that has been rectified. And if we do identify, like we know with employment equity, identify unfair discrimination, we need to put in place affirmative action measures. If it does go to the CCMA, that means it's out of the company's hand. It's now sitting with the CCMA or the labor court. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And Linda, in our LaborNet Live session, your colleague Ruan touched on changes to sectoral codes. What sort of changes are we looking at uh, in that aspect? So we are, uh, there are 18 sectors. So the Department of Labor has actually broken down the sectors that we had in the Employment Equity Act as per Schedule 4. So now there are a lot more sectors and subsectors. And the Department of Labor has now looked at the different sectors and said, look, Based on these sectors, for example, construction will have its own sectoral target. 
IT will have its own targets. Retail will have their own target. Health will have their own target with subsectors as well to ensure that companies are able to achieve those targets. One example I can give you, construction. We all know construction is usually male-dominated. The laborers are usually African males. Um, so now the Department of Labor wants to turn that around. Let's have a lot more African males sitting at higher occupational levels. Let's have a lot more African females and colored females and Indian females and white females coming into that industry as well and working. We do have these people with the qualifications, quantity surveyors. They must get the opportunities to work within these industries. That's just one example that I can give you with the sectoral targets. And that's the drive that the Department of Labor has at the moment. Thanks so much, Linda. Uh, this has been a really, really informative session. And I'm so glad that we got you in studio. I do understand how busy and hectic your schedule is. Um, so we really do appreciate your time. For our listeners, uh, if you'd like a different perspective to the Employment Equity Amendment, specifically from the Employment Equity Commission perspective, you can take a look at the article written on our blog. I will be leaving a link to that in our description below. So, Linda, once again, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and can't wait for the amendments to be gazetted. Well, we'll be sure to have you back in here to make sure that you give us a recap once they are. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of Stuff Employees Should Know. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on any of the major social media platforms or pop us an email at sesk at labornet.com. Let us know what you thought of today's show or any of our previous shows or if you have any specific topics that you'd like us to discuss. So from myself, Yasser Yaslakat Ismail and Linda Madida in studio, cheers and till next time. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by Labornet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.